Today on Ag News Daily. Uh, the Bullpen app is an app that helps uh, cattlemen find bulls that are for sale through auction or private treaty. And they can search those bulls that are in the app by EPD ranges or a specific seed stock producer or a location radius. Well, Tanner, I am excited to be hosting with you again today. This is Tanner Winterhoff joined by me, Cassie Zirkel. While Delaney is still in Washington, D.C. traveling, it's a beautiful day here in Texas. What's the weather like there, Tanner? We are gloomy, and this is the first window of no rain that we've had uh, all morning. So not quite as beautiful as what you are describing. And I'd like to say Delaney is on vacation, but I don't think that's actually the case, right? Correct. Yeah, she is in Washington, D.C. <laughs> actually working. So she didn't get a break, just a break from hosting these past few days. Yeah, but I'm surprised that we didn't scare you away. You came back for day number two. <laughs> I think yesterday I kind of gained a little bit of confidence. Maybe today I won't be quite as nervous. So where you're at in Texas, are you, have you looked at your weather forecast? Are you about to get some really cold temperatures? Um, I would highly doubt it, but I'm going to look at my, yeah, no. The high, okay. the low for this week is 84 where I live. <laughs> wow, that's, that's fascinating because it came out today on agriculture.com that there are freeze warnings in effect until 9 a.m. Central Time tomorrow where hard red winter wheat is attempting to grow. So that is overnight lows dropping into the uh, low 30s and high 20s for southwestern Kansas, eastern Colorado, and into the Oklahoma and Texas panhandles. So probably um, not too far out of your area, but that's that portion of the U.S. The rest of the U.S. is getting soaked with uh, drenching rains and potential for severe weather. So Indiana, Michigan's getting the heaviest of the rain today. We here again are wet in Iowa and uh, I don't feel like I'm gonna see an actual normal springtime anytime soon. <laughs> well, my my part of Texas actually skipped spring and went straight to summer. It's about 85 <laughs> here and climbing. And uh, even though it seems like the cold temperatures in the panhandle wouldn't be too far from me that's actually about 10 hours north of me oh wow yeah forget about that when you get to texas you still have a whole country to drive across <laughs> yeah uh, and you're still in texas yes sir yeah it's full-blown summer here we have some rain coming tomorrow but really just a lot of humidity and a lot of heat well, what did you see in the news today cassidy well i wanted to update our listeners on the conspiracy theory around Vilsack being arrested. I did see an article that came out yesterday afternoon confirming that he was not arrested. This was put out by Tim Morgan from AgWeb. And according to a USDA spokesperson, it has been confirmed that Vilsack was not arrested last week. I'd say that that's good news. And uh, it's always nice to get to the bottom of a conspiracy theory. It's always interesting to see where things stem from and where the theories come from. Everybody's looking for a scapegoat for the rise in food prices. For once, they didn't go directly to the farmer. 
they went to the Secretary of Ag. But according to the NAS report, so USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, NAS, reported that year over year from 2020 to 2021, gross incomes for both cattle and hog producers were up double digits. For cattle and calves, cash receipts from marketings were 16% higher, rising from $63.1 billion to $72.9 in 2021. All cattle and calf marketings totaled 61.4 billion pounds, up 4% from the previous year. And for hogs and pigs, cash receipts totaled 28 billion, up in 2021, 46%, over 19.19 billion in marketings for 2020. So substantial jumps in incomes for our cattle and hog producers year over year from 2020 to 2021. But I'd say, Cassidy, that might change again for uh, 2022, we may see those gross receipts up, but we all know the cost of production has also rose. Exactly. I, I don't know that the farmers or the ranchers are really feeling much of a increase in their actual income because of the rise in fuel prices and everything else. Yeah, the uh, little asterisk at the bottom of the article says, NAS data only measures producers' gross income, not producer profits. Feed prices rose significantly in 2021, and impacted profitability. For instance, corn averaged $5.40 per bushel during the 2021 season, which was 54% up from the average in 2020. And we all know where prices are sitting right now. So nice of them to stick it in the fine print all the way down at the bottom. Yeah, just to remind people that producers aren't winning off of our high grocery prices right now. <laughs> for all for all the consumers that are listening today. Delaney shared with us a planting report that she wanted us to report on. And we told her, no, we're not going to take <laughs> Delaney's stories when she's not on the mic. No, I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Yeah, jump, jump right into that, Cassidy. <laughs> uh, as we all know, I'm not very... Um, up on the planting side of things, but it does look like, as we've been reporting, everybody is quite a bit behind on their planting. Yes, and if you dive into the details, so it says, uh, estimated as of May 1, 14% of the U.S. corn crop has been planted. That compares to the five-year average of 33%, and last year, 42% of that crop was planted by May 1st. That is the slowest planting pace for corn since 2013. The interesting side of this is you switch to the soybean side and 8% of the U.S. crop has been planted. That compares to the five-year average of 13% or behind 22% of last year, according to May 1st. But Cassidy, I feel the pain and it looks like according to this chart, I'm not too far off. The states that are the furthest behind are Illinois, 36 behind the five year, 36 percent behind the five year average. Iowa is 33 percent. Minnesota 28, Missouri 25, Indiana 19, Kentucky 16, Tennessee 13, Ohio 13, and Wisconsin 13. So you're looking right across that corn belt of states that have either been uh, wet or cooler than usual, which has put us well behind that planting pace. Yes, sir. And I do believe that uh, the weather is affecting more than just the Corn Belt as um, here in Texas, crawfish is in full swing right now. Do y'all eat crawfish in Iowa? 
So uh, my co-host on Farm for Profit, Corey Hillebo, had uh, also hosted a party, a fundraiser for, let's say this was, uh, it was either fire, I think it was fire victims, and raised money, organized some hay to be shipped down, if it was Oklahoma or Texas region, a couple of years back and had a crawfish boil. So we get it in in little spurts. We've got uh, delivery trucks that will come up and park in parking lots saying they drove straight up from your territory. Uh, but we just get it a little bit in special occasions. Yes, sir. So here in the spring, there's a crawfish almost every other day, whether it's a fundraiser or the apartment complexes in the college towns are having free crawfish boils, anything like that. So it's really big time right now. And it looks like the weather has been affecting our crawfish farmers as well. Um, not necessarily that their production is down, but that their weights are down on their uh, crawfish. So the one thing that is helping them is that prices have gone up just like everything else um, from $90 a bag to about $120 a bag average this year. And Texas has increased its acreage for crawfish farming to about 9,500 acres, quite a bit behind Louisiana still as they're at 260,000 acres. Yeah. So that's interesting. I've always heard of, you know, the, the town's, being down on a poultry flock or uh, we've been shipping lighter weight cattle. Uh, same thing in the pork industries. I'd never thought about that as weights being down in the crawfish industry as well. Yes. Yeah, so the article said that a lot of later cold weather down here stunted the growth of uh, their crawfish, but it looks like um, they're upping their acreage and the prices going up are still helping our crawfish farmers out a little bit. And these fields that they uh, raise their crawfish in are then turned into rice fields later in the spring. I wondered if there was a second crop, but uh, that's nice. That's a unique approach to the news. I don't think Delaney would have pulled that out. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. The last piece that I've got to interject today is uh, more than 1,000 agricultural manufacturing workers are on strike in Iowa and Wisconsin. So this is tied to two Case New Holland industrial plants. They went on strike Monday in search for a better deal with the company that makes ag and construction equipment. The United Auto Workers Union said the workers in Racine, Wisconsin, and Burlington, Iowa, went on strike at noon after contract talks faltered. The action follows a spot of strikes in the past year. Of course, we reported on the Deere and Company one, uh, but... Now it's switching to the red color. So uh going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. The article doesn't state very much here, except for they want the ability to learn to earn a decent living, retire with dignity, and establish fair working rules. That came from Chuck Browning, the vice president of the union. So not, not a lot of clarity yet as far as what these workers are looking for, um, but certainly might affect those who run red equipment. Well, that is very interesting news from you, Tanner. And my last piece of news also comes from Iowa. And instead of going on strike, the workers I'm reporting on actually got laid off. Over 200 plus workers were fired from a large chicken farm in Iowa. This seems largely due to some activists protesting the way that this Iowa farm euthanized their chickens from avian influenza. This article is from CBS, so I would say it's leaning a little biased against agriculture, but it seems like a lot of the activists that went to the farm and found out about this Matthew Simonization were very upset by it, and the billionaire Glenn 
Taylor, who owns the farm, took it into his own hands by just mass firing to kind of make it look like he was not on the side of his employees who euthanized those flocks. Sure. Was that at a Rembrandt, Iowa? Did it give you a city? Yes, Rembrandt Farms. Yeah, so I had also seen an article around that. Uh, you know, obviously that had happened. The farm obviously has to clear out and disinfect, uh, but it does sound like they have made an announcement that they will restock. Have not mentioned how soon that will happen, but they are not shutting the farm down completely. So I would assume those workers have an opportunity to earn their job back, uh, but probably not without some scrutinization as to the behaviors if there's facts to that story being reported. Yes, for sure. And I I know there's always going to be activists against anything we're doing in the agriculture industry. So I hope that um, this these Rembrandt farms are really taking um, things into their own hands to communicate to consumers how well we care for our animals and how this was not something that we want to do, euthanizing our birds, but avian influenza is on the brink of becoming a pandemic right now. So we want to be as cautious as possible. Absolutely. So I will hit high level on the markets here, Cassidy, before you introduce our interview for this afternoon. Uh, Looks like as we sit here while we're recording, uh, lean hogs are off just slightly with mixed trade today. Uh, Live cattle is uh, almost the same sitting there with just an eighth of a penny on the positive side. Both corn, soybeans, and wheat saw a sell-off today. As we sit, corn is off 10 cents in the New York month, soybeans off four and a quarter, and wheat is off four. So uh, mixed, looks like protein is up for the day, not much for an improvement. Uh, And our grains continue to see a little bit of sell-off, even though that report that we just mentioned to you had planting progress behind. I know we didn't touch on the wheat, but it is also the uh, rating for the wheat crop is below that of the five-year trend. So not a lot of positive news, but yet still seeing a little bit of sell-off in the commodities. So Cassidy, who do we get to talk to today? So today for our Tech Tuesday, we'll be interviewing Miss Glinda Burgess, who created the Bullpen app. I am excited to hop on here today with Glinda. She is the owner and developer of the Bullpen app. We have her on today for our Tech Tuesday segment to tell us a little bit more about her business and how it came to be. Glinda, what is your background in ag and how did you really get into this space? Um, I grew up in a small town in Kansas and my parents were not directly involved in agriculture, but I grew up pretty close to it from visiting my grandparents' farm. Uh, In 2011, I married my husband, and a few years later, we moved out to his family ranch. So I kind of got my education from the Burgess School of Ranching. And he taught me, uh, him and my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they've all been really great at teaching me everything that they know in the ranching industry. This is exciting uh, for me to, one, see how technology is combining with agriculture. So uh, you're specifically here on this conversation today because of the bullpen app. What What is that? That's certainly not tied to baseball. No, no, it's not at all. Uh, the bullpen app is an app that helps uh, cattlemen find bulls that are for sale through auction or private treaty. 
and they can search those bulls that are in the app by EPD ranges or a specific seed stock producer or a location radius. And it will bring back all the bulls that fit their criteria and then it allows them to compare them and save them and to connect with the seed stock producers so they can either go to the ranch and see the bulls or attend the sale in person. So does the app work both ways to where those seed stock producers can upload their bulls and the uh, men and women looking for seed stock can find the bulls that they're looking for on the app? Yeah, uh, the app is free to download on Apple and Google for anybody that's looking for the bulls. Uh, For seed stock producers to have them in the app, they just go through me and send me their bulls in a spreadsheet. And then we work together and I put load all those bulls and the data into the app. So this was clearly an idea built out of necessity, or at least a need that you had seen. But how did somebody get started building an app? How did you go down that path? Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> so I I did. I felt the need that we could use something like this. Uh, for us, The when we really felt that need was when it was close to turnout and we had a bull that ended up testing bad and we needed a replacement and sales season for the most part was old over and it was kind of hard to go about finding that and I thought if all the saleables were just in one place and I could search them and I could sort and find exactly what I wanted it'd make it so much easier and I thought about this and thought about this and nothing came and I never found anything to kind of substitute that and so finally one day I thought you know what I'm going to try and do this and I started to teach myself coding and luckily there's a lot of online online resources for that so it took probably a couple years of learning to code and working on the app and building it before I got a product that was something that could be released so you talked about how many years it's taken and how much work it's taken when did you actually start the work on the bullpen app and what kind of growth have you seen from then to now um I probably started it, oh, it kind of blends together everything. <laughs> so probably about 2018 was when I actually started coding it. I, I probably was teaching myself some coding stuff just before there. It, it went slow because uh, I wanted to make sure I got things right. And you know, I had to research all the ways, different ways it can be done and find the best way to get it done. And I wanted it to be smooth and easy to use and uh, I released it two years ago in 2020 for the first season, and that went pretty well. We had um, about probably 800 downloads in the first year and about 16 or 17 sales on it. And I, the reception of it was pretty well. I had a lot of seed stock producers telling me they'd talk to people in their sales that were using the app and appreciating it. And this year we've done about the same with some more searches. We've had about 2,000, over 2,000 some searches go through the app through the sales season so far. So I think people are adopting it pretty well. I know there's definitely a need for it. I know people are appreciating it. Uh, It's a nice tool to have to be able to search through the different bowls and find what you need. It's kind of relieves the headache of looking at an Excel spreadsheet. 
So where do you see the future going? Is this a technology, an application that can evolve into other species of animals and livestock? Or is it something that just expands in the beef industry? Uh, so far, I'm just focused on the beef industry. Uh, I have it. It's kind of where I feel most comfortable and what I know most about. Um, I want to get it right one place. And before I head anywhere else or any of those ideas, uh, I have been considering going to Australia with it. I know I've had some people contact me wanting to use something like this over there. Uh, but for the for the future of it, I'm looking to add more breeds because right now it just supports five of the top beef breeds. And I'd like to add some more breeds to the app so it can support more breeds and other functionality. People have asked me if they can search bulls based on how they're developed and other things that are not completely EPD related. So I'm trying to kind of just zero in on what people want and take it the direction that they want to see it go. So it can be the most helpful app for them. Building off the idea that you want to add some more breeds, I'm taking it that uh, this is mainly for registered operations. Do you have any um, services for commercial cattle on your app? Uh, Yeah, the the register side being uh, the app for EPDs, they have to come from the Breed Association. So that's why when you're searching based on EPD ranges, they need to be registered just to have those numbers in there. Uh, so it focuses on that. Uh, for the commercial cattlemen, you know, it's something that they go to find their bulls so they can put them into their program for their cow-calf operations. So for listeners that may not know what EPD is, could you expand upon that? Uh, so everybody can be on the same page while they listen? Yeah, EPDs are basically numbers that breed associations have come up that help predict how a bull will perform and how his offspring will perform. So if uh, people are looking to breed a bull to heifers and they want something with cavities, they are looking for a bull with a cavity score that's going to make sure that those heifers don't need help with their births. And if they're looking to increase carcass traits in their herd or docility in their herd, they can use these EPDs to steer them in the right direction for improving their operation for what they need. Well, Glennett, it's been great learning a little bit more about your app and all the different services it provides for commercial cattlemen and registered cattlemen. If anyone wants to either uh, get their cattle uploaded on your app or download your app, where can they find you on socials and online? Yeah, on social media, the handle is get pinned on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And the website for bullpen is getpin.com. They can just contact me through any of those avenues. I've got my phone number on the website. So any way they want to contact me through there, it's great. Awesome. This has been an absolute pleasure. It's always fun to meet the people behind new technology and innovation in the industry. Uh, Cassidy, we really appreciate you hooking us up. But uh, for that, Ag News Daily listeners, that was a great Tech Tuesday conversation. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much.
well, that was fun to hear uh, and learn something because uh, I didn't have a lot of exposure to that. I hope I got some questions answered for listeners that might have the same lack of exposure for myself, Cassidy. Yeah, for sure. I I was very interested in this um, application she has created, and I love hearing from all of these ranch wives and women that have seen a need on their family farm or their operation and created something to fill that gap. It's fun, probably fun for you. You get to sit in the background of some of these interviews and pick up firsthand new experience and exposures. But uh, will you be back with me again tomorrow? Yes, sir. I'm excited to continue our duo. All right. If that's the case, let's let the listeners go. Let's let them go.